Amen. All right. Oh, thank you. Well, good morning. We're glad you're here this morning. Um, I'm going to steal this one, too. Yes. Thank you. Fourth and fifth grade. If you're in fourth and fifth grade, go with Logan. You're going to the back room. Sunday school starting. So if you are new or visiting with us, just quick, I've, I've been starting with this lately, just letting you know, we are still what we call pre-launch. We are launching on Easter Sunday, or really launching on Palm Sunday. So this is still pre-launch, which means things are, will look a little different. Um, the sermon's a little different. It's more training for how to be a church. We're in a, a series beginning this week, three weeks on the church, so good time to show up. Um, we're working through some things, you know, and, and technology, so we're getting there. But our goal is Palm Sunday, that things are running really smooth. So uh, we really do appreciate your grace as we are continuing to work through and even figuring out the temperature in this room and, and things like that. So thank you. Uh, let me pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, how great thou art. Um, I love that song because it just focuses on who you are. You are the one king. You are the God of the universe. You are the one who created all things for your own glory. You are the one who loves us. You are the one who sent your son to die for us, to redeem us, to bring us back into relationship with you. God, we just ask that uh, you would be glorified today as we sing. You'd be glorified in our hearts and in our minds as we look at your word together. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, as I mentioned, you are on here for the, the first week of a three-week series on the church. This week, we're looking at the church's mission. Next week, we're looking at the, the church as in the body of Christ, you know, how we all fit. And the final week, we're talking about the church, its leaders, an organization, and what should that look like. There's, there's different interpretations on how a church should run and how leaders should operate. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at how Common Ground is going to do it um, and, and how the Word describes it. And I think there's some leeway when it comes to how a church is organized. I don't think there's a lot of leeway, but I think there's some leeway. And so we're going to talk about that in three weeks. Um, if you, uh, if you don't know me well, if you know me, you, you know this, but when I graduated from college, I was dating Callie and I didn't want to get married yet. And so I left the country. I went to, <laughs> I went to Russia <laughs> um, and I, I worked in the U S embassy. Um, I, I was very important there. I was a custodian and <laughs> I was a custodian. I was, I was important. But I was a custodian, a locksmith, and I did things like that. Uh, but I, I did it on the top five floors of the embassy there. So it was the, the top secret area. So I had to have a top secret security clearance. And so my job was to go into the, the places that few people get to go and take out the trash. Um, and it was like, if you ever saw Get Smart, it was like that. I would go to one of the, the offices I would clean was the an attache office. So there was a, a colonel in there from the Air Force. There was a, a, a colonel from the Marines. I mean, all the high ranking were in there. And so I'd have to ring a bell and pick up the phone and they'd look at me in the camera and see who I was. And they'd open a door that was about this thick and it would open up and I'd walk through and stop and it would close. And then the next one would open up kind of like in Get Smart and I'd go in. And so top secret area. And I got to know the people some. And there was one day, I don't remember how it came about, but I was talking to I was in one of the cubicles and just talking to one of the senior officials and they said, hey, check this out. And they turned their computer screen toward me and they showed me, this was after 9-11, they showed me the international most wanted. He said, this is top secret, you can't tell anybody. So you can't tell anybody either. Um, this was a long time ago, but he showed me this picture and most of them were terrorists on this. 
and a lot of them had X's <laughs> over them. You know, Bin Laden was number one. He was the, the one right in the middle. But they had taken out a lot. <laughs> and, and just, it was kind of cool getting to, to look at this, and I felt really important because I saw this list that we don't normally get to see. But so here was this war that our government was waging, and it wasn't a secret war, but a lot of it was top secret. And even back then, this was a war on terror, a war against extreme terrorists trying to take us down. And their mission, even there at the embassy in Moscow, part of their mission was rooting this out to protect us. And even now, we had our prayer meeting this morning, and we heard about an, another bombing in where? Or a, a bombing or an attack? Burkina Fasa? Burkina Fasa. Okay, but a, a Islamic terrorist <laughs> attacked some, some missionaries, and a missionary was killed. 20 people were killed, I think he said. Um, this is happening all, all over the place. And our government still is fighting this battle, and, and who cares what the officials are saying? They're fighting this battle. And, and they're trying to prevent Islamic terrorists, most, I think, from coming in. And so there is this very, very serious and important battle to protect us against these, these terrorists. And I just share that to say, we as the church, by the church, I mean every Christian, a, a real follower of Jesus Christ, we have a mission that's even more important than that mission. That is a mission to save lives. That is a mi mission to protect our country, and it's very important our mission is a mission for eternal souls. Right. You know, you die once and then comes judgment. And there is a heaven or a, a hell. That's the battle we're fighting. And so I, I think about this because I think how exciting is it? We all love like Born Identity and um, those movies that, you know, there's a secret agent or whatever and they're fighting and trying to protect. But then we come to church and church just feels boring. <laughs> In general, church life is, is boring. And I think the reason why is we don't understand the mission. It's as big a deal. We're all secret agents, just so you know. You know, we're all like James Bond. But it should be an exciting mission that we have. Now, I, I titled this message this. If you look at your notes, if you're a note taker, we'll go through this. But the mission is, the mission of the church is an offensive battle for souls. And I use that word offensive because it's offensive and it's offensive. <laughs> it's kind of a play on words there. And it's offensive to those who will not believe. The Bible talks about that. The word of truth, the gospel, will be offensive to many. But for many, it'll be the word of life. But it's also offensive. We as the church need to move forward and take this mission for Christ. It's not passive. Here at Mission or here at Common Ground, we, we stated our mission this way, and it's on the back there. There's a stroller in front of it. Um, but it says to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. That's our mission, to expand the kingdom of God in our lives, meaning first, we're giving over more and more of ourselves to him every day. As he reveals where we need to change, we change. And we let him gain control of our hearts, of our homes, of our marriages, those things. And then we take that kingdom and we take it out. So it's offensive. And I just, I wrote this. I said, here at Common Ground, um, we believe that the mission of the church is not to create a safe place for Christians to get together. The mission of the church is not to provide a healthy and safe environment for entertainment. The mission of the church is not to sterilize Christians from the world and clean them up and keep them separate. We believe that Jesus was clear and scripture is undeniably undeniable as it describes our mission as an offensive mission to save souls and bring people back into right relationship with God beginning now and lasting for eternity. That's our mission. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to be in two passages. So, so go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11. 
It's page 600, if you have one of these. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. Um, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and uh, Kelsey will give you one. Right up here, Kelsey, please. Anybody else need a Bible? And if you have a different version, it's okay, follow along. But if you really like to follow this and you have an electronic device, ESV is what we're reading through. Now, page 600, Luke chapter 11. But now put a finger there and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're in this Bible, it's page 667. We're going to jump a little bit between those. So just turn to those if you want to fold the page or whatever, put a pen in there. We're going to hop back and forth just a little bit. But before we really get a good picture of our mission, again, Luke 11, 2 Corinthians 5. That's where we're going to be. Um, I want to give us a little bit of a history lesson. This is going to be really fast. We're going to zip through history. Some of this we have covered over the past couple months. So if you want to check out our podcast, you can get up to date and look at that. But why were we created? You know, it goes back to our purpose, and we taught on this a month and a half ago or so. We were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We were created for what we call divine community, to be in relationship with God and with each other, with him at the center. That's what we're made for. The problem is that intimate love relationship with God that he planned, that he gave to Adam and Eve when he put them in the garden was broken. That relationship was broken because of sin. Our communion with God was broken at the fall. Some of this is in your notes if you're a note taker, but our communion with God was broken at the fall. It wasn't God's plan, ultimately, for us to be apart from him, but he also wasn't surprised by the fall. Do you know that? He's not surprised by anything we do. He knew what he was going to do. So we were created to be in relationship with God and others. That was broken at the fall, broken in sin. Our daddy, great, 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 great grandpa, daddy, Adam, sinned. And that's been passed on to each of us. And raise your hand in here if you have not sinned. Oh, Helma, I got a hat. Yeah. So we've all sinned. We've all been separated with God from our sin. And we know it. Don't you know it? And by the way, there's nothing you can do about it. And ultimately, you know that too. <laughs> um, side plug, this is the one thing that sets Christianity, true biblical Christianity, apart from every other religion. Every other religion tells you what to do to get to, back to God. Everybody knows they're messed up. Every religion tells you what you need to do to get right with God. Christianity tells you what God did for you to make you right with him. He did all the work. So we were broken. We were broken with sin, uh, separated from God. And here's a point. When the fall happened, whose fault was it? Or I guess what was the source in there? The devil. Satan. The woman. Okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, a husband up here says a woman, a husband back there is clapping. This is not going well. <laughs> the woman, yes, uh, the woman was tempted by the serpent, which was the devil. The man was there as she was tempted, and he did nothing. He was passive. Um, <laughs> and when God showed up, who did he address first? The man. So just saying, man, we're not off the hook. Um, you're responsible for all of your wife's sins. Um, <laughs> again, that's not biblical. <laughs> Don't write that down. Um, but the devil, the devil is very real. And he came in camouflage. He came as a serpent. There is an enemy who's very real and he comes in camo and he deceives 
people and leads them away from God. So the enemy, the devil was there and he tempted. Since that time, listen, God has been about reconciling men and women back to him ever since. That's been his mission. Um, Genesis 3.15, don't turn there. But Genesis 3.15 says this. God is, is after the curse. You know, man is cursed, woman is cursed, uh, the serpent is cursed. And he says this, I will put enmity, he's speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is referred to as the proto-evangelium, if you're one of those nerds that likes stuff like that. But proto-evangelium, the first gospel. Genesis 3.15, God says what he's going to do about it. The sin broke this, but it's not over. And from now on, the devil is going to continue to come after God and his people. But God was going to do something about it. He said that uh, the seed of the woman, okay, the serpent would bruise his heel. And the seed of the woman would bruise his head. We know where we sit in time looking back, Jesus came. Jesus is the seed of the woman. And the serpent, the devil, bruised his heel on the cross, had him killed. But Jesus rose from the dead, and in that act, he crushed the serpent's head. So he won the battle. The, uh, you know, a, a bite on the heel, unless I guess it's a very poisonous snake, that's, that's a flesh wound. <laughs> it's not a mortal wound. But a crush to the head, a blow to the head is a mortal wound. The enemy, Satan, dealt a blow to Jesus, but Jesus dealt a finishing blow to the enemy when he rose from the dead. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. There's kind of the history there, looking back. But here's the thing. So God has been about reconciling us back to him ever since the fall. Ever since the fall. But there's still an enemy, okay? Where we sit in time, we know that the, the, the war has been won. Jesus won. He was victorious. He died on the cross. He says, it is finished. He rose again from the dead. That was over. But yet the battle rages on. And it is a battle for individual souls. And this battle is really for a kingdom. This battle is for who will be in that kingdom ultimately. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians. I told you we would look there. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Because this gives just a picture of the victory. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The victory Jesus won is not just eternal life, although it is that. That when you die, you'll be in heaven. You'll be with Jesus forever. Um, but it's also that you get a new life. You're messed up without Jesus. I'm messed up without Jesus. But he gives a new life, a new creation to where you can love the way God would have you love. You can live the life God planned for you here and now. That's part of the victory. So here in your notes, God's mission is to reconcile. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, part of the victory. 5, 18 says this. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God's mission is to reconcile people to himself. Our mission is to reconcile people to God. And there's an end date. This won't go on forever. There's a time when Jesus returns and this mission won't continue. This mission will be done. But until then, this is our mission. Now, I want to look at the nature of this battle. Turn to Luke, please. So, Real quick, we've gone through history. We see that God wants to reconcile people to himself back in right relationship. And that our job is to, our mission, our primary mission isn't just to be good. <laughs> our primary mission is in our holiness 
and our dependence on God to go bring others back into that. But here's a picture of this battle. Luke 11. This is kind of cool. Let's set the stage real quick by reading verse 14 uh, through 16. Now, he was casting out a demon that was mute. Jesus is casting out a demon. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. So when Jesus came, he was casting out demons. Something like this had never been seen before. He was casting out these demons. And the people accused him of casting out the devil by the devil. That's where Jesus responds, and this is what we're going to break down and look at. Look at verse 17. But he, that is Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided house falls. Verse 18. And if Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. Here's what I want to recognize here. Look at how Jesus describes Satan. Jesus recognizes that Satan has a kingdom. And that kingdom is where? (laughs) Here on earth. Do you get that? Satan has a kingdom on earth. Jesus recognizes that. And Jesus recognizes something else about that kingdom. That it's organized. He says if Satan is divided against himself, it won't stand. So these demons, these fallen angels, are organized against God and against us. Satan in uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4 is called the God of this age. The God of this age, which is a time period here on earth. Satan is the little g God. He is nowhere close compared to God. But he has authority on this earth. He has some authority on this earth at this time. Do you remember when Jesus was tempted? After his baptism, he was beginning his ministry, and he went into the wilderness. One of the temptations was Satan showed him the kingdoms of the world, and Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world. At the time when Jesus was tempted, he didn't say, Satan, you don't have the authority to give me that, because Satan did have the authority to make that. Satan owned the kingdoms of this earth at that time. He had the authority to give them to Jesus. He was giving Jesus the opportunity to bypass the cross and have his kingdom. It would have thwarted God's mission. It would have messed it all up. But Jesus didn't say you don't have the authority. Satan has that authority on earth. This is kind of a big deal. And this is in your notes. Satan possesses a kingdom on earth. He's called the prince of this world. Ephesians 6.12 is where it breaks down. You know, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spirits, against principalities, rulers. And it lists these different roles that demons have together. So they're united. It's a cooperative effort of extremely powerful and evil and intelligent spiritual beings organized against God and his people. But now let's look on verse 19. Jesus says, after he recognizes, yes, Satan does have a kingdom here. He says, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul... By whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. I think it's kind of funny there that he says, if, if it is by the kingdom of God, or if it is by the power of God, the finger of God, 
which it is. We knew Jesus was the Son of God. It was by the finger of God. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Look at what Jesus is describing this picture. Satan has a kingdom. But Jesus is coming in and he's casting demons out. And he's saying, if I'm doing this by God's power, guess what? The kingdom of God is here. One kingdom was infiltrating another kingdom. That's what's going on here. There was a real uptick. A lot of people say, why don't we see demon possessions you know, like, like then? All the time, Jesus was casting out demons. Well, if a kingdom is being attacked, what's it going to do? It's going to defend itself. It's going to fight back. So why was there an uptick in that time of demon possessions? I think quite possibly the enemy was ramping up. He's like, we're, we're under attack here, and we're going to fight back. And there was a battle. Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, was infiltrating another kingdom. It was going into enemy territory. Do you get that? Satan is the, the God of this age. So when God came down in Jesus, he was moving into enemy territory. Really exciting stuff. See, this isn't boring at all. <laughs> and the locals fight. This is in your notes. The kingdom of God invaded enemy territory with the coming of Jesus. Now I want you to look at verse 21 with me. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. It's kind of weird. It's a jump here, it looks like. Who would you think this strong man is in verse 21? Just think to yourself, who is this strong man? When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. The strong man he's referring to is Satan. Satan is a strong man. He's not a man, he's a spirit. But, but Satan has power. He has strength. And he was guarding his palace. He was guarding his kingdom. It's Satan right there. But then what? Look at verse 20. I'm sorry. <laughs> 22. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Who's the stronger man? Jesus. Jesus came into enemy territory, the stronger man, and whooped the devil. That's, that's what he paints the picture. He whooped him. This wasn't close. It wasn't, you know, one of those WW fights, whatever, where it's close. This was a whooping. This was David and Goliath, you know, but, but God's Goliath and he wins. Okay, so horrible. Forget that one. It wasn't like David and Goliath at all. It wasn't a comparison. Jesus came in and with a word, he would cast out demons. Boom, they had to respond. Demon-possessed people would run and fall at his feet. Please don't cast us out. They could not win. It wasn't a battle at all, really. Jesus just won. Read Revelation. In the end, when he comes, he defeats the enemy with a word. And it's, and it's over. People say, we're going to come fight with him. We're not going to fight. We're just going to be riding horses by him while he does the fighting by speaking. It's not close. But he moves into enemy territory. Now, look back at these verses with me, if you would. In verse 21, it says, when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. What are his goods? People, the lost, souls. The people are, or the goods are people, souls. Satan is trying to protect his goods, the people that belong to him. And Jesus is coming in, destroying him and taking people out of his kingdom and putting them in his, making them his citizens. He's casting out demons. It was a very good picture of this battle winning, of him casting them out and winning territory, gaining territory, gaining ground for God's kingdom. Colossians 1.13 says this. Paul writes, He, Jesus, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. 
Every time a soul turns from their sin and turns to Jesus, says, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I know I'm a sinner, but I know you took it, and I want you to be Lord of my life. Every time somebody does that, boom, they are grabbed. They are taken out of the kingdom of darkness. They are put into the kingdom of light. And territory is gained for the kingdom of God. If you are still in the kingdom of darkness, let me tell you this. You can be in the kingdom of light simply by giving your life over to Jesus, recognizing what he did on the cross. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're transferred. You're given the Holy Spirit. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you're made a new man or woman or kid. <laughs> but you're made new. Oh, it's awesome. But is the enemy going to go down without a fight? <laughs> He's not. He's going to fight to keep what he has. We're looking at this mission and trying to get a grasp of the battle. And I want us to get this. I want us to get this because we've been talking about it. We're going to be under attack because we're going to be on the offense. Common ground. We are going to be on the offense for the kingdom. We're going to be attacked. You will be attacked. Are you okay with that? We will be attacked. Are we okay with that? I hope so. I hope we can come together and share it with each other, pray for one another, and be strengthened. But we're going to be attacked. Look back at verse 22. It says, when a stronger one attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted, divides his spoil. Commentators write that this verse is probably looking both back and forward. When Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days out in the wilderness and he was hungry, he was tempted. Did he sin? He didn't. He gained a victory right there, right there. So it's looking back. He was victorious where Adam was not victorious. Adam was tempted and sinned. And Jesus, the second Adam, was tempted and succeeded. And I think Jesus' temptations were way greater than, here, eat this fruit. <laughs> but yet he made it through. But it's also looking forward to the cross where Jesus really gained the victory by dying, taking our penalty, and then rising from the dead. And he gained a victory over the enemy and over death itself. So it's looking back and forward. Through Jesus' work, this is in your notes, I think. Through Jesus' work, God's mission was victorious. Done. It was victorious. So here's my question. If, if Jesus won on the cross and he rose from the dead, and every time somebody gives their soul back to, to God through Jesus, they're transferred, then why isn't that person transferred and raptured right then? Taken back up to heaven. Why are we here? Why are we in this room? Why did he leave us? Look back at 2 Corinthians 5.18, which we already quoted, but 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled him to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Our job, the ministry, is to reconcile others. Who does ministry? Who does ministry? Ministers. You're all ministers. Did you know that? We have a tendency to want the professional Christians to do the ministry. Pastors, missionaries, but we're all ministers. And if you're a minister, your mission is to reconcile people back to God. That's your mission. That's not just my mission. That's your mission individually, but we get to do it together. That's why we're talking about the mission of the church. We're doing this together. And we're going to be talking about leadership. What's leadership's role in this? What's the organization's part in this in two weeks? But your role and mine, our ultimate mission is to expand the kingdom, to go. It's an offensive and offensive mission. 
for God. So we're moving forward. This is in your notes, I believe, but 2 Corinthians 5.18, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We, as the church, now carry on God's mission to reconcile souls to himself through Jesus. Now, most often when you hear about the mission of the church, you probably hear a teaching on Matthew, what's called the Great Commission, where Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you to the end of the age. That's the Great Commission. Our job is to go make disciples, not just save people, but make them followers where they grow in holiness and purity and obedience and love. But how did he begin? We're not going to study the Great Commission right now. How did he begin that? He says, all authority has been given to me. Who had authority on earth, the kingdom here? Satan did. So it's, it's unique. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. So he infiltrated earth, <laughs> and he died on the cross and rose again, and he was given the authority. Holy cow. Jesus, it gives me chills. Jesus was given the authority, and in the end, how does he finish it? We, we know he's going to ascend and go back to heaven. He says, lo, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. I have all authority. Go make disciples. Get in the game. Get off the bench. Play. <laughs> get active, and I'm going with you. You're not, we're not going alone. We're not going alone. We have the mighty warrior in us, with us, fighting. That's right. Yes. It's okay to say amen if you want. <laughs> Amen. But I'll tell you this. You know, this mission is militant. 2 Corinthians 5.20. If you had your finger in 2 Corinthians, just look forward. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors because We've been transferred from one kingdom to the other. We are now in the kingdom of heaven. You're part of that kingdom, but you are now placed back into the other kingdom as an ambassador. So you're still a citizen of this kingdom, but you're operating in this kingdom as an ambassador where we appeal on behalf of God. This is why you better, you have to be a minister. You have to be a minister empowered by the God to do that. I mean, look at the picture. It's of light going into darkness and taking it over. You can't do this by yourself. This is why we started this year talking about prayer. This is why our midweek podcast for the next six weeks at least is going to continue to be on prayer because we battle mainly through prayer. We had a fun time on Thursday night watching War Room. I hadn't seen it. I had already written this message. <laughs> and I'm watching, and it was all about the battle. I should have known that, War Room. But it's all about the battle and battling through prayer. Is that our first thing when we hear something that we drop on our knees? We go to prayer because he can do what we can never do. And through us, he will do what's impossible. So we battle beginning through prayer. We don't hide in the closet. We do our battle there, and then we go out into the, into the field and continue to pray as we go out and work and do in his strength. But the battle begins with prayer. Now, I want to look at one more verse, if you would. I want to make this comment first. Do you know... We've been talking about it, but do you know there's an enemy that wants to destroy you? He hates you. He hates your God. He hates my God. And he wants to bring you down. He can't touch God, but he can get to us. And by getting to us, he can get to God. Do you know that? Intelligent, sneaky, comes in camo. <laughs> he comes in camo. You might not recognize it, 
That's why we need to be alert at all times. But you have an enemy coming after you. And because of this, yeah, I just wanted to mention here at Common Ground, we're, we're so bought into this mission that we're going to be on the offensive for God. And, and, you know, one of the things that, that they talk about with church planning is go ahead, feel free to give people out. So I'm going to give you guys an out. <laughs> if you're looking for a church where you can come, sit, be comfortable, and just get fed, you're not going to be comfortable here very long because you're going to feel pushed. <laughs> Good. <laughs> But this is not going to be a place where we want to entertain you by great music, although we want the, the worship to be wonderful. This is not a place where I'm going to try and come up with great jokes so you think I'm funny and, and bring your friends. Although I want to be interesting. This is a place where we're going to go on mission for God, okay? We're going to go on mission for God. If you just want passive Christianity, this is, you're not going to be comfortable here. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. If you want to be lukewarm, this is not the place. And I hope if you are lukewarm, you don't leave. <laughs> I hope you go, well, I want to be hot. And you hang around, and we make each other hot, and the Holy Spirit works in here and makes us hot, and we get to go. But with that, we look at our final verse here in Luke 11. So if you're still in 2 Corinthians, flip back to Luke 11. Verse 23. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Jesus says there's no such thing as uh, moderate Christianity. You can't sit on the fence. You can't be one of those that, that walks the fence of here's the world and here's the kingdom of God. And you know, I'll just sit in the middle. You know, I don't really want to offend anybody. You know, I, I'll go to church and I should read my Bible some. I believe in God, but I, I'm not going to be one of those crazy Christians all in and telling people about God. Golly. You know, um, I'm not going to waste my time praying half an hour. You've you got to be kidding me. And I'm not saying if you don't pray a half hour, you're not part of the kingdom. <laughs> but I'm just saying, are we all in? If you're riding the fence, it's time to jump full feet on one side. You know, the, the Christian life, the church, it's a swimming pool. Run and jump in the deep end. Full feet, all in for God. Jesus says you can't, you can't ride the fence. You can't be eh, maybe some, maybe not. He says you've got to choose because if you're not with me, you're against me. Which side you on? <laughs> Which side you on? Are you in the game? Are you all in? Now, with that, I, I do want to say this. There's a lot of grace. And as Christians, I believe we can walk in our sin. I believe we can pursue sin as a Christian and still be a Christian. But I believe God loves you so much, he's going to pull you back. But if it's your life, year after year after year of being on the fence, I would say you better check yourself. Because if you really are in God's kingdom, he's not going to let you sit on the fence for long. So where are we? And again, this is in your notes. It's impossible to stay neutral in this battle. God's mission is to expand his kingdom. Our mission as the church is to expand God's kingdom. And it is an offensive battle for souls. Offensive and offensive. <laughs> battle for souls. Are we willing? This mission is greater than any mission the world has ever seen. Do you believe that? Do you know that? It's greater than the mission to protect our country against terrorism. It's greater than the mission against communism <laughs> back in the 80s. It's greater than any other mission. And I have to tell you this, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There's an enemy that's going to battle, but when we are submitted to Christ, you know, the, the word says submit to God and the devil will flee for you, from you. He has to flee. When we're submitted to God, 
He flees. Uh, War Room. I think my favorite scene probably in War Room, if you haven't seen it, now you have to go watch it. Um, but when, when she finally submits herself to God and goes to prayer and she starts walking through her house praying and saying, Satan, you're not allowed here anymore, and, and, and walks through the house to out the front door, in the name of Jesus, you have to go. And then she goes back in the house and then she comes back out. And one more thing, you know, but that's, that's kind of the picture that I see. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. When you're submitted to God and following him, Satan has to flee because who has the authority now? Jesus does. And that authority lives through us. Are we going to go? Are we going to go? That's the question. That's the point today. We know God's mission. It's for souls. Are we going to be part of it? Or are we going to sit on the sidelines and be comfortable? The way we begin, okay, application, the way we begin is prayer. Um, we had, a, I thought, a wonderful prayer meeting this morning. Back here in the back at 9 o'clock. This week, Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, Kara is going to be right here. If you want to pray, come pray. Next Sunday, 9 o'clock in the back room there, we're going to pray again. This is going to be a continuous thing. We're going to continue to pray. And this week specifically, our focus is going to be on advancing the kingdom. So if it's warm enough next Tuesday, or I'm sorry, next Sunday, if it's warm enough at 9 o'clock, and we'll see, we're going to walk. We're going to walk around out here where we can see the city, and we're going to pray for the city. We're going to pray for the advancement of the kingdom next Sunday at 9 o'clock. Um, come. <laughs> Come ready to pray. And let me tell you this. Go home and pray. <laughs> Continue to pray. When you wake up in the morning, I said two weeks ago, for two weeks we're going to commit to pray for 10 minutes a day. Keep it up. Don't stop. <laughs> Don't stop. Continue to pray. And let's, let's go on the offensive. Dependent on God. <laughs> That's the last thing. Remember, it's his authority. He goes with us. It's not in our own strength. So we don't have to worry about that. But it's his power in us. Let me pray. And we're going to sing two more songs. Father in heaven, I thank you. Again, I thank you for winning the war. God, um, a message like this can, uh, can be empowering, um, but it can also make us feel guilty and afraid, uh, if I'm honest. It, it can also make us think, well, we need to do more. Um, and there's a danger, Father, in that, that we would then go in our own strength to do this, and that would be a failure because we can't do it. We cannot do it. Our first step is to drop on our knees and submit to you and for us individually to pursue you. That's why I believe you led us to put our mission statement to expand the kingdom of God in our lives. That's where it starts. I beg you, God, please expand your kingdom in our hearts. If there's anybody here on the fence, let, give them the power to jump over. <laughs> the power this week to jump over right now, to jump full side on Jesus' side, on your side. God, we want to go for you. And we, we beg of you as we're going to continue to pray for weeks and weeks and months and years. Expand your kingdom in, in this valley, please. Bring many people to you. Break down the barriers people have. Reconcile people back to you. Give them victory over sin, victory over addictions. Give us life. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.